0: A kid's podcast. (laughs) You can go slow. A kid's podcast about. Hey listeners, thanks for finding this episode. We believe in the power of conversations and knowing that kids like you are ready to talk about the big things going on in their world. If you like this episode, please consider liking or reviewing the show through whatever app you're using to listen right now. That helps others discover this podcast, and that helps make sure this show is reaching the ears that need to hear it most. Thanks.
1: A note to our listeners. Some of the content contained in today's episode may be sensitive to listeners. Our conversation acknowledges the existence of man camps and residential schools, as well as the traumatic and violent events against Indigenous children and in communities throughout North America.
2: We have chosen to include this information in the episode because it helps to provide a deeper context for the wholeness of the topic discussed. Grown-ups, consider previewing this episode prior to sharing it with kids and hold space for kids listening to pause the episode, ask questions, and seek further understanding. We've added links in the show notes to a number of helpful resources for exploring this topic together. Thank you. Hi there, and welcome back to 1.5, a kids' podcast about climate justice. I'm Olivia Greenspan,
1: And I'm Zanaji Artis.
2: And we believe that kids like you deserve a livable future. A livable future. This means a future
3: where no one will have to worry if our planet is healthy enough for humans to live safe and happy lives.
2: That's
1: Joanna. She's our on-hand dictionary. If we ever come to a word or phrase you might not know or understand
2: already. In our show, we explore the challenges facing our planet with scientists, with youth activists, and other environmental leaders who've experienced the realities of the climate crisis firsthand.
1: Today is the second episode of our third and final part of the first season of 1.5. In today's episode, we are focusing on the issue of pipelines and Indigenous sovereignty as a solution to our overcarbonized and polluted atmosphere.
2: Yes, today our expert guest is Jake Spotted Wolf. Our conversation with Jake covered what it means to Jake to be Indigenous, what a pipeline is, and Indigenous sovereignty. We found our conversation with Jake powerful and informative. We hope you feel the same.
3: My name is Jake Spotted Wolf. My pronouns are Numpa Nagi. That means two-spirit in Lakota. My reservation is in Fort Berthold, North Dakota, and shares with some territory over in eastern Montana. My tribe is Mandan, Sanish and Hidatsu. We are the three affiliated tribes. And the reason we are affiliated is because over time, either disease or war killed out each individual tribe to the point where they had to amalgamate and become one tribe in order to get in what we call enrollment.
1: I also just wanted to ask how you define Indigenous and what that means to you.
3: So there is, you know, what the government would consider is that formal Indigenous. Do I have blood quantum? That's um, also problematic, right? Because to prove that you are Indigenous means that you were born into a line of people that lived in a tribe for centuries and then were granted enrollment status, which opens you up to, you know, royalties from a casino and there's no royalties. We'll be honest about that. And then indigenous can also mean true to the land, you know, and that doesn't exclude those that are here now that immigrated here from other parts of the world. True to the land, because we took in people that were not just born into the tribe. We adopted people all the time and they didn't have to be our skin color. So indigenous can mean a steward of a land, somebody who's true to their virtues, true to their morality, their identity, that cares about community, that perpetuates a sense of belonging and of love and concern for not just the, the source that feeds you, which is mother earth, right? But for those that need to be fed and those that need to be, that need water, you know, that need soil to survive. So to me, I mean, indigenous means caring for for what gave you life.
2: Thank you. Thanks for asking that question, Sanaji.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Throughout the season of 1.5, we've been talking about fossil fuels, what environmental justice is, and we wanted to talk today about pipelines. And so wanted to just ask, what is a pipeline?
3: A pipeline is essentially like a tube, a big, big tube that runs from wherever the extraction site, meaning wherever they're drilling for oil from the earth or for natural gas from the earth up to the surface, and then it flows down into usually a port where it can be refined and then shipped out to wherever the company is trying to export it to to then sell it as a product.
2: Beautiful definition. Okay, so a pipeline is something that goes from the source of a fossil fuel to its ultimate place of being refined into the product that people use.
1: Yeah, okay. And then we also wanted to ask about problems related to pipelines. So we know the pipelines spill at the extraction site during transport, what are some of the problems with pipelines and what are alternatives to fossil fuels that can offer more protection to ecosystems for energy use?
3: Okay, so in the case of Line 3 out in Minnesota, they have a specific type of oil that they're transporting. It's called tar sands oil. So the oil is coming up from the ground mixed with sand. And these pipes, because as you may learn as you grow up, corporations don't always take due diligence or due time to make sure that something is very, very, very safe, and that there are precautions put into place to make sure that a product is um, going to prevent any kind of devastation. And this is the same same case with Enbridge and the pipelines that it has put into the ground, is that every of their pipelines have burst, and there has not been enough infrastructure around that pipe to prevent the devastation to the land around it. So when we consider tar sands oil, it would be just like if you've ever played at the beach, and you had a mixture of, say, dish soap or of water even in in that sand, how impossible is it to get the sand removed from any other substance, right? So when we talk about tar sands oil, if there's ever a leak or a breakage in the pipe, it will destroy the surrounding area to the point where we will never get that oil completely removed. As some people, especially oil companies, have taught us over time, well, we can just like go out and try to like collect it, you know, and like uh, use some Dawn soap and try to like recover the animals. That's what it will impact. It will impact the water. The line three had frack outs all summer. And that looks like a piercing in the aquifer under the riverbed where they were trying to put the drill under the Mississippi river along different points all along the line. And those frack outs are chemicals that pierced the aquifer that the chemicals rose up to the ground and destroyed any of the surrounding ecology or animals. And they're finding that now that there are cysts on the, the fish that were in that water supply, you know, grasses aren't growing back. I mean, it is wintertime, so it is, a, you know, the, the season for things to stay dormant. But even so, in the springtime, we're anticipating to see a lot of damage from those uh, aquifers being pierced. And how can we prevent that? More investment, I believe, in hemp, bamboo, hemp can be a power source in terms of, because we could use solar, but then we've got another problem. Solar is powered by lithium, right? Lithium is a metal used in solar panels and batteries. And we've got the issue of where do we find lithium? And currently there's another fight over in Nevada called the Thacker Pass fight that's out of, outside of Wittemucca. So... They're trying to mine that lithium to put into these solar panels so that you can regenerate the solar every day. And for the most part, you know, these lithium stores are going to be on reservation land. And it's going to mean devastation to the earth from which they are trying to mine from. So it's still another form of resource extraction. And hemp and bamboo are very strong fibers. They can be uh, converted down into fuel, much less harsh on the surrounding environment, the environment like the soil loves for the most part growing either of those things. They can be made into, you know, something that is like plastic or like a fiber or that is clothing that is woven. So the resources that you can make out of either one of those two elements are really kind of endless and solve that problem of, you know, looking for other resources to substitute the oil or the petroleum or the natural gas that we are so dependent on as a country.
1: Awesome, yeah, there is a lot of solutions, I think, in what you shared there. And also really important, noting that solar power, although it's applauded as this renewable energy, also has extraction. Extraction,
3: the act of taking out something, especially through the use of effort or force.
1: And does relate to harm for indigenous communities and harm for communities across the country and around the world.
2: More when we return from Jake Spotted Wolf after this quick break.
0: Hey, grown-ups! With over a hundred different titles in our Kids Book About series, it may be hard to figure out where to start. Allow me to make a suggestion. There is perhaps no greater feeling, nothing more life-giving or secure, than to know you belong. No matter where you are, what you're experiencing, or who you're around, without that feeling of belonging, it's hard to concentrate on anything else. We can help our kids know what it feels like to belong, and what it takes to help others feel like they belong around us. When you do belong, you it's very, very evident, right? Because I like to say, your heart smiles and your brain is tickled. That's Kevin Carroll, author of A Kid's Book About Belonging, check out our Kevin Talks About Belonging episode of A Kid's Book About, the podcast. Listen together with the kiddos in your life. And when you're ready, visit akidsco.com for more great books and podcasts made to empower kids.
2: Welcome back to 1.5, a kid's podcast about climate justice. Let's return to our conversation with Jake Spotted Wolf.
1: So you mentioned the Line 3 pipeline, and it's being led by Enbridge, which is a Canadian company. Could you talk about what is Enbridge?
3: Enbridge is it is a Canadian company. They own pipelines around the globe or subsidiaries of which they are in relationship with. They have many lines One, two, three, four, and about to be five over in Wisconsin. So they are oil refinery, or Husky is a refinery, oil placement or oil extraction is their jam. And again, foreign company coming into domestic territory that did not respond to or respect treaty law. And that's another kind of an offshoot of the, the issue that is Enbridge or KXL or DAPL is that these are all entities that have defied treaty land on, on reservations across the United States, so-called United States. And that did not listen to the indigenous when they said, you're digging this line through our burial sites, our grave sites or through cultural lands where we've got artifacts of, you know, our ancestors who used to live here, you know, thousands of years ago and they don't care they continue to push their will and dig and that destroys the tradition that destroys the history of those peoples all for profit, right? So when it comes down to it, you can't eat money and you can't, you know, drink oil. And this is all the basis of how the indigenous are impacted by these billion dollar companies that have all the money to fight and to um, push their will when it comes to these very, very impoverished, indigenous communities that don't have, you know, the lawyer backing, they don't have the revenue to fight, and they're really just hanging on for survival at this point in this country, because there are still a lot of problems within these indigenous communities that haven't been addressed due to colonial genocide. So uh, Enbridge is, um, it, it's kind of an enemy to us.
2: Thank you so much for that for that explanation. Um, and you, you just touched on exactly what I wanted to, to transition to, which was colonialism and pipelines as modern colonialism. Um, in episode six with Jerome Foster II, we talked about pipelines being a modern form of colonialism, but we didn't talk about the other side of that, which is the solution, which or one great solution, which is Indigenous sovereignty. And this section of the podcast will be about solutions, so I want to make sure we get to talk about what Indigenous sovereignty means to you and why it is a solution to pipelines and the climate crisis more broadly.
3: So, yeah, like you touched on, resource extraction is the current genocide for Indigenous peoples. So they may not be, you know, removing us from our lands and telling us we have to go live elsewhere and systematically killing us, murdering us. But they are slowly killing us by taking our resources on the lands that they pushed us to and destroying, say, water tables. And you can't drink out of that water. You can't, you know, eat from poisoned animals, which is, again, traditionally how Indigenous have lived for so long. So solution, we talk a lot about free informed consent in indigenous communities when it comes to these treaties and when it comes to resource extraction. What that means, I mean, it's very blatant in their terms, free meaning that we don't have to pay to sit in on these meetings where the corporate lawyers and the tribal representatives are meeting to discuss what's going to happen to our futures. Informed, meaning that they do not keep anything out, that they very much leave descriptors and all of the you know legalese in and that it's also understandable for most of us who don't understand that jargon so informed that we know exactly what we're getting into what they are putting us through and what the outcome will be when it comes down to you know that resource being taken and say a pipeline being put in the ground consent consent means we have given our approval fully and freely, and we are not hesitating in terms of making sure that everybody is on the same page. And in somewhere like the Line 3 fight in Minnesota, that was not the case. We have what we call the Minnesota Chippewa Tribes, so that's Anishinaabe territory, and under Anishinaabe there are many different bands. There's the Chippewa, there's the Ojibwe, there are tribes all over the Dakota, all over the state of Minnesota. Two out of three of them did not vote for Enbridge to come into their territories and put this line down. Only one did. The Fond du Lac tribe was essentially coerced into it. Either they allow the line to be placed and they're paid for it or they don't allow the line. Enbridge was going to place it anyway and nobody gets compensation. So this is what we talk about in terms of solutions for, you know, if the government is going to make treaties, we're already past that point and you'll, you'll understand as you get older how much the United States government has uh, trampled on treaties, that, that they honor them, you know, that they protect us, that they allow us our say when these entities come in and say we want to take what you have and instead of taking it that there's a conversation about it and we're not forced into a position where we're compromised as people.
2: Thank you so much. So obviously... You know, everything that Indigenous sovereignty means, we can't get to in such a short amount of time. But what I'm hearing you say is, first and foremost, it means respecting treaties that have been broken too many times to count. And on a, on a very practical level, free, informed consent. That's the first time I've heard that and another bare minimum thing to, uh, to ask for.
3: We can't ask for a lot, you know, because even if we did, they wouldn't care. So we're just asking for the basic minimum at this point and we can't even get that.
2: Right. Um, Okay.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. So we've reached the end of the questions that we have here. Is there anything that we did not ask you about anything today, anything that you want to build on that you wish that we had?
3: I would point out the man camps that happen along these uh, pipelines. And I, I know keep this age appropriate. But even I think, you know, we've got some very, very smart young people out there that are very caring and concerned and compassionate about what happens in their country. And these man camps are places where these pipeline workers come from other parts of the country for, you know, labor jobs that pay well and better than in their parts of the country where, you know, they cannot get higher paying wages. They come out and there's an element of, so we see a lot of Indigenous women, girls, boys that are trafficked along the pipeline consistently. And this has happened at DAPL, Keystone. It's a huge epidemic in Indigenous communities. So uh, keep your eye on MMIWP. MMIW means missing and murdered Indigenous women, people. And if you add the R, that's relatives that have lost their siblings and their wives and um, brothers, nephews, cousins. Also look into residential schools. I know... I mean, there's a lot when it comes to Indigenous in the country that people do not understand. Residential schools were an epidemic in the early uh, 1900s, late 1800s of the United States government coming in and literally kidnapping indigenous children from their families, taking them to what we call residential schools for what in indigenous communities we call concentration camps, because really children did go there to die. They oftentimes did not come home. And the ones that did leave, because um, they were kept there all year long, they weren't sent home, they had no contact with their families. We are still in a state of crisis and we are not part of the dialogue when it comes to those bigger discussions about harms, about civil rights and about you know uh, quality of life for everyone. So that'll be the last thing I mentioned, even though
1: I could go on. Well, thank you so much. Yes, this is all very informative. That concludes our conversation with Indigenous activist Jake Spotted Wolf. Again, we know this information might be sensitive or challenging, and we encourage you to talk about it with a trusted friend or a grown-up and visit the links in our show notes to learn more and continue the conversation. Now, it's time for the... Climate Justice Justice Game Show! Show! Okay, Olivia, you're up first. What does it mean when we say someone is Indigenous?
2: For Jake, to be Indigenous means to be someone who is true to the land, a good steward, true to their virtues, and true to their morality. Jake also mentioned the government definition of indigeneity, which requires proving a certain amount of blood quantum to claim indigenous status, which Noompa Nagi shared as problematic. That's right, Olivia. Ding, ding, ding. Great job. Okay, Zanagi, question two for you. What is a pipeline and how are pipelines related to fossil fuels?
1: A pipeline is a big tube that runs from a fossil fuel extraction site to a site of refinery where an oil and gas company then turns it to a natural resource that can be used as a product so that they can sell it. And pipelines are in fossil fuels are related because pipelines are a major way that oil and gas producers transport the fossil fuels they extract. Correct. Okay, Olivia, third and final question What is Indigenous sovereignty, and why is that important?
2: Jake mentioned respecting treaties and also this concept of free and formed consent as two key pillars of Indigenous sovereignty. I mean, first and foremost, Indigenous sovereignty gives Native people the respect they deserve. And secondly, we also discussed some issues with pipelines, including problems they have, like they leak, and also that they break treaty law, which we learned is outlined in Article 6 of the Constitution. Article 6 of the U.S.
3: Constitution reads, This Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land.
2: So respecting treaties and upholding free informed consent would provide really critical accountability to fossil fuel companies, Who are currently breaking treaty law and are not held responsible for the ecological damages caused by fossil fuel extraction and transport, including not only climate change, but also associated issues like poor air quality, like we discussed in episode five with Kevin J. Patel, and all kinds of other forms of ecological disruption.
1: Absolutely, Olivia, that really sums it up. And that is why it is so important that we think about indigenous rights in our activism, in the way we talk about climate change and talking about extraction and fossil fuels. And so, of course, this is so key to climate justice. And I'm so happy we were able to talk to Jake about it. And that concludes today's round of the Climate Justice Game Show. And as always, thank you for playing along. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. And thanks to Jake Spotted Wolf for sharing Numpa Nagi's expertise on pipelines and indigenous sovereignty. You can find more about Jake's work by searching Jake Spotted Wolf, J-A-I-K-E space S-P-O-T-T-E-D space W-O-L-F on Instagram and Facebook. We'll also have a link in our show notes. 1.5 1.5 is written by me, Zanaji Artis. And me, Olivia Greenspan. With occasional support from me, Joanna, from naturalreaders.com. Our show is edited and produced by Kat Petru, with help from Matthew Winner and the team at Sound On Studios. Our executive producer is Jelani Memory, and this show was brought to you by A Kid's Podcast
2: About. This show is inspired by our book, A Kid's Book About Climate Change and the millions of young people around the world fighting for their right to a livable future.
1: You can write to us at listenatakidspodcastabout.com dot com, and check out other podcasts made for kids just like you by visiting a
0: Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm the head of audio at a kids co, and I also host a kids book about the podcast. And worth noting, I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for listening to our shows in your classroom or in your bedroom, over breakfast or over dinner, on your drive or on your downtime. No matter what you do between this listen and the next time you tune in, thanks. You're awesome. And it's because of kids like you that we get to make cool stuff like this. See ya.